Open your Bibles this morning to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Today I'm going to attempt something crazy. Uh, next week we're going to go back to the Gospel of Luke in our verse-by-verse study there. We've got about 40 more verses left uh, to finish the book. If you remember on Easter Sunday, we looked at the verses uh, tied to the resurrection and how amazing that they fell on Easter Sunday. Now we're going to start next week and move through those last uh, 40 verses. I am excited about that. I'm ready to see what God has for us in that. I can look back and think about the tremendous things we've seen in our study of the Gospel of Luke. And I'm looking forward to the grand finale as we move through these last uh, 40 verses. Let me go ahead and just tell you right now, I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't miss any of those. For the next 20 or 30 weeks, I would not miss a Sunday uh, if I were were y'all. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in that. But today, uh, I'm going to actually try something pretty crazy, Uh, something that I already know I can't pull off, but I'm going to still take a run at it anyway. Uh, Today, I want us to see, and I'm talking about really see, the awesomeness of our salvation. I I want us to, to, to truly consider just how crazy, astoundingly awesome our salvation really is. You see, sometimes I think we become careless when we think about our salvation. We become apathetic when we consider our salvation. And, and, and I want us to actually see today, to actually consider how astounding our salvation truly is. Now, the problem is words can't do it justice. And I already know that today. Uh, words cannot do it justice. Friends, Our salvation is tremendous. Our salvation is tremendous. Friends, I'm sure we cannot truly fathom the greatness of our salvation. No way. Try as we might, we cannot truly understand, we can't fathom the greatness of our salvation. We can't get the depth of the seed of the woman that crushes the serpent head. The the remedy for sin pinpointed already at the start of our book of Genesis. We can't get the wisdom of the promise that is made to Abraham is fulfilled in the seed of Abraham. We can't truly understand that. We can't grasp the hugeness of the perfect Lamb of God. I don't know that we can truly understand all that that entails. The perfect, beautiful, without blemish Lamb of God who is willing and who is able to take our sin away. That's what the Lamb does. Now, he's not just willing and he's not just able, but both of those things in the Lamb. We can't understand the depth of the Lamb. We can't measure the love of a father who would give his only begotten son. And I sit there and I start to ponder on that. I can't imagine how immeasurable his love must be. I can't understand the depths of such love that would give his only begotten son. What grace, what love we see in the Father. We can't begin to comprehend that. We can't calculate the cost of redemption that's bought in blood. 
You see, we might add it up if it was in silver. We might put a number on it if it was in gold. But I want to tell you, our salvation is purchased in blood, in the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And try as we might, we cannot calculate the cost of such a redemption. How tremendous that is. We can't comprehend not really the guilty being the payment. Listen, not making the payment, being the payment, the non-guilty for the person that's totally guilty. That doesn't make any sense to us. The one who has no shame takes my shame and he is clothed in my shame. And I want you to see that's the, that's the reality of our salvation. My sin and my shame is put on the Savior. He is draped in my shame. And in turn, I go free wearing the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I can't comprehend that. We can't fully understand. We might like to think we can, but we can't understand the full wrath of God poured out on Jesus. Understand the anger of God, the totality of the anger of God, his hatred toward every sin is poured out on Jesus. So much so that the, the sky goes dark as he hangs there on the cross. We can't imagine the fullness of the wrath of God poured out on Jesus for our salvation. We sure celebrate it. And I'll just tell you the same is true of this. We, we can't imagine the power of the resurrection. Oh, I love the resurrection. I, I like to talk about the resurrection. Listen, friend, we can't grasp the power and the glory of the re resurrection. They're having been beaten, having been killed. They're crucified on the Roman cross, having been pulled off of that cross and placed in a grave dead. Listen, dead in the grave, we can't understand the power evolved that when he walks out Easter Sunday morning, he stands in victory and he stands in power and he stands in might. The receipt is issued. Our payment has been received. Death is defeated. God's glory is on display and our Savior stands alive. We can't imagine the power of that. We try to look at it. Oh, we can't imagine the power of a resurrected Savior. Paul's able to say, you know what, because of that, 1 Corinthians 15, our preaching's not empty. Our faith is not vain. We're not still in our sins. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your, your sting? Our salvation's tremendous. Our salvation is tremendous. This week, we've seen We've heard about, we watched an adoption, the subject of an adoption. Well, today I, I did not want to pass up the opportunity to see how God uses the idea of an adoption to describe our salvation. I'm going to tell you it's pretty awesome. You want to, you want to get a, a look into our tremendous salvation? You want to understand the pieces, the workings of our salvation? God uses the image, the picture of an adoption to describe it. My, my goal today is that we would stand in awe of our salvation. And I just tell you, I don't know what, what situation you walked in here in today, but my goal is that you would walk out of here today and you would be blown away by your salvation in Jesus Christ. More than that, my goal today is that we would be blown away by our Savior. That we would leave here today 
And I don't know what's going on, but we would say, oh, what a savior we have today. And we would truly praise the name of Jesus Christ. That is my goal today. Today our message is entitled, Adoption Final. Adoption Final. Our verses are found in Galatians chapter four. Today, today verses four through six. Galatians chapter four, verses four through six. I'm gonna ask you if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Galatians chapter four, beginning in verse four, it says this. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. And we, are, we are so thankful for you. We praise you today. We worship you. We come and, and we, we think about your, your power, your might. We think about you as our creator, the creator of every single thing. We, we think about you as our sustainer. We also think of you as our salvation through Jesus Christ, God who saves, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, I'm thankful for our redemption, for our forgiveness, for the, for, the, for the love and the grace and the kindness you've shown us. I'm thankful that we can see the, the cross and we can, we can see how immeasurable your love truly is. We can see the, the, the incalculable cost of our redemption that it's bought in blood. And so we, we gather today and we praise you, we thank you, and we worship you. I, Lord, I come and I pray that right now that you would prepare our ears, that you would prepare our minds, that you would prepare our hearts to see this salvation, to understand it more clearly today in your word. And then I pray the result, God, is that you would be greatly, greatly glorified in this event. Lord, speak to us, lead us, open our eyes today. Lord, I pray for somebody in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that in the picture of such a tremendous salvation, a picture of such a great Savior, that today they would put their faith in my, my Savior, Jesus. Stir in their hearts. Lord, I pray that in all this you're known and you're glorified. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, understand, all this is going to tie together. Context of the letter is going to be very important for our understanding of this picture today. Understand as we begin today, in his letter to the Galatians, Paul is telling these believers in these churches who they are in Christ. He really is telling them their status before God as believers. Now the issue is false teachers had come in and they had perverted the gospel. They had, they had come in and they had changed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now there's a couple of things going on, but the, the biggest one is there are false teachers that are telling them they have to go back and add in works 
of the Jewish law. And so they're saying, you know what? In addition to faith in Jesus Christ, you're gonna need to keep these laws. You're gonna need to keep these duties. And there is a, a distortion going on of the gospel. Well, Paul writes this letter to address that. He writes this letter to remind them, to confirm to them the truth, and part of the process is telling them what they have in their salvation, who they are in Jesus Christ. Well, he writes this again to address all of that. Now, I want you to be very clear today, and this is an important thing to understand today. When you change the gospel, and see, we, we live in an age where we want to be understanding. We live in an age where we want to be tolerant. We say, well, you know what? It, it's close enough and close enough appears that it's going to be good enough. Well, I want you to understand this. When you change the gospel in any way, you rob God of the glory due of his tremendous salvation. You see, it's a big deal. It's not some small thing. When you, when you change the gospel, when you add something to the gospel, when you subtract something from the gospel, when you have to do something in addition to the gospel, you rob God of the glory due of his tremendous salvation. Let me just tell you something, that's pitiful. We have a tremendous salvation. If we're to say, you know what, I can do something to add to it. You know what, I have to do something to secure it. I can have a part of that. We rob God of the glory of the tremendous nature of his salvation. That's pitiful. When you change the gospel, you rob God of his glory. Well, describing his salvation here in Galatians chapter four, an interesting thing, God describes it as an adoption. Now he does that. Uh, that's the word that he chooses. That's the, the concept that he chooses. And so today we're gonna see a picture of our salvation explained through the word, the concept of adoption. What does salvation mean? What does salvation include according to God? Well, today he's gonna describe it in the terms of an adoption. Now I'm gonna just tell you, this is a perfect picture as we would expect, a beautiful, perfect picture of our salvation. Now see this. In the Jewish understanding, everything was about your birth, your esteem, your position, your standing, your future. All of those things were tied to your birth. And that's why they kept records of lineages. It's gonna be important. That's why they kept record of family lines. And that's why they talked about this person, the son of that person, the son of that person. The, the place that you were born, the, the family that you were born into, even the order that you're born into that family is gonna carry great weight. And so understand, if you're born to the wrong family or if you're born even in the wrong order in a family, it carries a consequence. For them, birth was a big deal. It was really everything. Now, for the Jewish culture, adoption was a rare thing. It was not a common thing. Now, it did happen, but it was a very rare thing. However, in the Roman culture, adoption was an honored thing. Now, I think it's pretty interesting the things that are going on here. He's talking to a bunch of Gentiles who some Jews are saying, you know what, you need to be more like us. And, and he uses the Roman understanding, the Roman culture's understanding of adoption. 
It was not unheard of to hear, in fact, it was very common, of a a Roman adoption. Well, a big thing, God takes that concept, this Roman adoption, and he uses it to describe, to perfectly describe our salvation. These people are wondering, well, what do I have in Jesus Christ? Well, who am I in Jesus Christ? Well, what makes up my salvation? And he takes this idea, this concept of a Roman adoption, and he uses it to describe their salvation. Now see this. Under the Roman practice, under their law, when a person was adopted, basically on a big level, their past life is wiped out. When when a person was adopted, their past life is wiped out. That person, if they owed any debts, their debts were canceled. When they've been adopted, their debts are canceled. They go to the new family with no debt attached. When they go to the new family under this system, they were given a new name, and it's the name of the family. It's the same way today, part of that proceeding. In the paperwork, they actually changed the legal name of the adopted person. Well, in the Roman system, it goes all the way back to there. That person is given a new name and it's tied to the name of the family. Also under the Roman system, adoption was permanent. It was not revocable. Where they could actually go to court and disown a natural born child, the adoption could never be reversed. The adoption was totally permanent. Now, in that context, in that understanding, let me walk you through our verses today, and then we're going to apply this idea, this concept of adoption to our salvation. Let me just tell you, if you've ever wanted to to see what we truly have in Christ, what it truly means to be saved, it's going to be an awesome picture. Talking to these believers, he's describing their salvation. Let me start in verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 4 says this, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now the verse says here, and it's it's an awesome verse, at the exact right time, at the pinpoint time, at the exact time, God sent his son. Now it's talking about Jesus here. I think maybe the greatest Christmas verse we have is this verse. At the fullness of time, at the exact right time, God sent forth his son. Talking about Jesus. Born of a woman. Back to to Genesis, the seed of a woman. He is a man. He is fully human. Born under the law. He is born under the system of the law. Now I have to stop right here for just a second. I want you to be sure of this. The world is trying to deny this now. The church, some of them are giving this over. And I want you to be sure and see this. When it comes to our salvation, if you're going to understand our salvation, it all comes down to the Son sent forth from God. If you're going to understand our salvation, it all rests on the Son sent forth from God. For God so loved the world that he sent, that he gave his only begotten son. Now what I'm trying to tell you here is this. Be very sure today, if you want to understand your salvation, it is all about Jesus. It begins with Jesus. 
He describes it. He can't describe it and not describe Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Our gospel is the gospel of, of Jesus. Our salvation is secured in Jesus. Our hope, if we have any hope, it is a hope alone in Jesus. This adoption he's about to describe, it is only available through Jesus. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, our blessed redeemer. Listen, it is all about Jesus. And he starts there. It's all about the son who's come forth from God. Y'all gonna have to get a little more excited. We're talking about Jesus. Verse five. So that, now listen to these pieces. So that he, Jesus, so that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. There it is, the adoption as sons. Verse five says, he is born as a human under the law to redeem people who are under the law. Now, redeem means to purchase. Simple as that. The original language, it means to purchase. And so we need to understand today our salvation is a purchase transaction. Jesus, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that purchases us back from our debt of sin. Our salvation is a redemption. It is a purchase transaction. Now it says this, that he might redeem us, purchase us, and here it is, that we might receive adoption as sons. Now I want to look at one word before we go to this idea of adoption as it's applied to our salvation. I want to look at one word before we go to the, to the idea of adoption. That is this. Receive. Receive. Verse 5. So that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Receive. Now I want you to see this it says receive. It's not earned. It is given to us. Through Jesus, in God's grace, he gives us our adoption. Understand, we do not secure our adoption. We do not earn our adoption. Rather, we receive our adoption, our adoption. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to picture that for a second. Let your heart see that today. In an adoption, then and now, the person being adopted receives the adoption. I sit there for just a second. Can, can you see why now we love God's grace? Can you see now why we praise God for his grace? When we, when we think about God, we can't separate him and our salvation from his grace. We receive the adoption. We didn't come and say, hey, look, I've earned it. I've done enough stuff. I've checked off enough things. I've met enough requirements. And now I'm here to be an adopted. No, we receive it. He gives it to us in grace. That is why we love the grace of God. That is why we sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Woo, our salvation's in his grace. Not one of us deserve to be adopted. We receive it in grace. What an awesome salvation. We're not even to the main word yet. 
Think about this. He doesn't have to want us. In fact, if logic prevails, he wouldn't want us. He does not have to want us. He doesn't need us. The Bible's very clear in that. This whole thing is in God's grace. We receive the adoption. How tremendous. All right, now to the adoption. Why does God describe our salvation as an adoption? Now, it's not just here. It's also in the book of Romans. It's two or three places in the book of Ephesians. He uses the word adoption to describe this event, this this salvation. Why does he use the idea of an adoption? I'm going to show you why again this morning, and it's going to be absolutely perfect. Now, follow with me. Here we go. Why does he use adoption to describe our salvation? Here we go. First thing is this. When we come to Christ by faith, our debt is canceled. When we come, I don't know which one of these is the best. This is pretty good. When we come to Jesus Christ by faith, just like that Roman adoption, we do not go to the new family carrying any debt with us. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to this. Woo. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Listen, our salvation means that the listing of our sin, each and every sin, each sin that condemned us, each sin that screamed out our guilt, each sin that testified to our death, Jesus took it to the cross of Calvary and he paid for it there. Jesus paid it all. Now I want you to see something right here. Notice it says, having nailed it, It's talking about your guilt, your sin, the listing of each and every one of your sins, the decree that stood against you that's hostile towards you that results in your permanent damnation. Having nailed it to the cross. Friends, you want to know how tremendous our salvation is? I want you to think about this. It wasn't a list of paper that was nailed to the cross. It was our Savior, Jesus Christ, who becomes our sin, and he himself, as our sin, is nailed to the cross, and he bears it to the cross that we would bear it no more. Oh, what a tremendous salvation we have. He pays for it on the cross of Calvary. We go to our new family, we don't carry any debt. Wow. How is our salvation like an adoption? Second thing is this. We're given a new name. We're given a new name. In adoption, the person adopted is given a new name. They take the name that's tied to the family. Now, in the Old Testament, we know that God changed several folks' names, and he changes it most of the time to reflect a change, maybe of position, probably a change of character. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel. Well, I want you to see this. In the New Testament, it goes back to our study about heaven a few months ago. 
When we as believers enter heaven by faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we have a new name. I want to read some verses to you. Revelation 2, verse 17. Now, we, we covered this a couple months back. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone which no one knows but he who receives it. We receive a new name. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. Now, listen to this. He who overcomes... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God and my new name. Listen, in adoption through Jesus Christ, we receive a new name and we receive the name of the family. How awesome, how tremendous. How is our salvation like an adoption? Our debt is canceled. We have a new name. Here's the third thing. How's our salvation like an adoption? Third, we're given the status as sons and daughters of God. Now, we're gonna talk about this. We're given the status of sons and daughters of God. Now, I want you to understand this. It's not a future event. Well, one day you'll be a son or a daughter of God. It is currently we are given the status of sons and daughters of God. Galatians 4, 5, the end of that verse says adoption as sons. It is finalized. Verse 6 says, now because you are sons. John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, talking about Christ, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now, I, I can't say this strongly enough. How tremendous is our salvation? Hear this. By faith in Jesus Christ, we who rebelled against the Father, we who sinned against the Father, we who shamed the Father's name, we who broke our relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, we are called the children of God. That is the position in Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. Listen, that's not a figure of speech. That's an actual position. That's not a figure of speech. That is our standing through Jesus Christ. How tremendous is our salvation. We are sons and daughters of God. You may not like me, but let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you about my adopted dad. Let me tell you about his glory. Let me tell you about his grace. Let me tell you about his character. Let me tell you about his love. Listen, we are sons and daughters of God. How tremendous a salvation. How is our salvation like an adoption? Our debt is canceled. Our name is changed. We are children of God, sons and daughters. And here's the next thing. We have a new family. We have a new family. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19 says this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Now, this is a pretty awesome thing. In Jesus, we have not only a new father, we have a new family. We have a new family in Jesus Christ. Now, the Jews were having trouble with that. See, the Jews thought it was by birth, and they kind of liked their family. But I want, I want you to understand this. In heaven, every person there, redeemed by faith in Jesus Christ, will be adopted. There's not going to be one person who walks in and says, well, you know what, I earned this. You know what, you don't know my lineage. My lineage secured this. So we know what, I was a Jew of a Jew of a Jew who kept all the rules and the regulations, and I've earned this spot. Every person that stands in glory will be there in the adoption that was secured through Jesus Christ. We have a new family. How is salvation like adoption? Our debt is canceled. Our name is changed. We're sons and daughters. That's our position. We have a new family. Here's the next thing. How is our salvation like an adoption? We become heirs. This just tacks along. It makes a lot of sense, but, but it's very profound. We become heirs. Just like the adopted person now has all of the full rights of the family. And if you go to the proceeding, that's one of the things they make clear. You know what? They're in the family. And they, and they have all the rights of the family. And they have secured all the rights through this adoption. Listen, we also have full rights as now we are, through Jesus Christ, heirs of the promise. We have the promise of eternal life. We have the promise of heaven and glory with our Savior Jesus. We have the promise of our glorification. We now hold the promises of the inheritance. Listen to verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, you have the position, then an heir through God. I want you to understand how tremendous our salvation is. Listen today, we're not second rate. We're not distant cousins. We're not distant relatives. We are heirs. We share in the inheritance, the promise of glory. The Bible even says we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. How tremendous is our salvation? I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. How absurd is that? Just let me in. I'll be glad. Keep the inheritance. Just let me see Jesus. That's good enough. Keep the inheritance. No, that's not how it works. How absurd is this? Oh, the grace of God, the hugeness of his grace. We can't understand it. He receives us back like we never left. He says, you know what? Get the ring for their hand, the sandals for their feet. Kill the fatted calf. They're gonna share in the inheritance. They're not here as second rate. They're here as an heir, a joint heir with Jesus, what grace, what grace. We're sons and daughters and we come as heirs. How is our salvation like an adoption? Starts to come together. Debt is canceled, it's been carried to the cross. We have a new name. We're sons and daughters of God. We have the position. It's not coming later. We're sons and daughters of God. We belong to a new family, the family of God. 
We are heirs of the promise. We're heirs, even joint heirs with Jesus. And all of that, just like the Roman understanding of adoption, in all of that, our old lives are wiped out. Now what that means is this. How is adoption like our salvation? We have a new future. Do you understand that? We have a new future. In Jesus Christ, we have a new future. In Jesus Christ, just like that picture of adoption, our future is not what our future once was. Whatever it was, whatever it was gonna be, separated from God for all eternity, whatever our future was, because of the adoption, our future now changes. First Corinthians says, the old has passed away, the new has come. Listen, in adoption, a future that wasn't there, a future that was doomed has changed, and we now have have a new future. Listen, in Jesus, everything has changed. In Jesus, everything has changed. We have a future. How perfect of a description of our tremendous salvation. How perfect of a description. I run through that in my head. Piece by piece. I run through that in my head and I start to think, how amazing, how, how tremendous. Oh, the love of God, the love of God, the, the grace of God. Oh, I love the grace of God. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. He cancels my debt. He gives me a new name. He gives me an inheritance. He doesn't let me come in as somebody's second rate. That's in his grace. Oh, the, the, the love of God, how, how awesome our Savior is, how awesome our salvation is. I can't fathom it, how perfect this is, how tremendous it is. Oh, how tremendous. There's one more thing. Here in these verses, here in this word, God is describing what it means to be saved. He's telling us who we are and what we have in Jesus. And so here, here are these churches and the false teachers have come and they've distorted the gospel and they've mixed up these people. And so God uses this word. You wanna know who you are. You wanna know what you have by faith in Jesus Christ. He uses this idea of adoption to tell them and to tell us who we are and what we have in Jesus. It's really too much, isn't it? It's really unbelievable, isn't it? You see, I know me, and I know my sin, and I know what I've done, and I know what I've earned. And when I think about God's grace, and I think about his love, and I think about this salvation, and I go piece by piece, he, he doesn't pay my sin with silver or gold. He pays it with his own blood. He carries it to the cross, and I go in, and I carry no debt. It's really too much. It's really unbelievable. Well, I want you to listen to verse 6. So because, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba's a personal name for dad. Dad, Father. 
So because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now I want you to stay hooked for just a second and see this. From the Roman law, adoption was permanent. Adoption was irrevocable. Well, to confirm our salvation is the new reality, to confirm to us that this is permanent, God sends his spirit within us to testify. Ephesians 1.13 says, upon hearing the gospel and receiving the gospel, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so I want you to see this today, get this today. The confirmation of the truth is God inside of us, crying, Dad, Father. This is how we know it is settled. This is how we know it is sure. This is how we know it is permanent. God inside us testifies. You see, the thing about adoption is this. The thing about adoption is someday we might start to say, you know what, I don't look like this family. We might start to say, you know what, I don't deserve this family. We might start to see some differences and say, you know what, I don't belong with this family. You see, my sin is too great. My debt is too large. Surely this is too good to be true. Surely this is never gonna last. Surely a bigger judge is gonna come along and reverse all of this. You see, I know me and I know I don't belong here. And God in his grace says, oh, my son, oh, my daughter, you might not be able to see it. You can't imagine it. But you be sure if you're sure of anything, it is finished in the cross. It is finished in my son. By the faith of your heart, your record is forever gone. Your name is forever changed. Your future is not the same. The adoption is final and it's testified, transacted in my own son's blood. It is permanent adoption final. What a savior. What a savior. Oh, it's too good to be true. In his own blood, he says, it is final and his spirit testifies within us. Too good to be true? Adoption final. What a salvation. What a salvation. What a savior. What a savior. All through Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I'm thankful for this picture, this truth that you give us. And it clearly, clearly lays out what you've told us over and over in Scripture. By faith in Jesus Christ. And by faith alone and in your grace and in your love, not of anything we've earned or worked for, you take our record of wrongs as sorry, hurtful, shameful as it was, and you, you take it to the cross. And it wasn't a list of paper, but it was your own flesh nailed to the cross, and you pay for it there. That the guilty, my, my guilt, the guilty, might become the righteousness of Christ. And then you don't just say, well, you know what? You've, you've reached the minimum and I've saved you. You say, you know what? You're a son and you're a daughter. 
you're an heir and you have full rights. You have the promise of eternal life, not in a, a secondary place, but here in glory with me. A new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And then on top of that, when our hearts start to turn and say, we didn't earn it, we can't, we can't rest. Lord, it's not going to be sure somebody's going to overturn this. Someone's going to see who I truly am. You seal us with the Holy Spirit of promise that points us back to the truth of a permanent transaction. Lord, I praise you today. I worship you today. I thank you today. Lord, I'm thankful for my adoption. Thankful that you wanted me. You didn't have to. Thankful that you purchased me at the cost of your own blood. I thank you for my adoption. Lord, I pray for someone here today that has not put their faith in you. I pray that today in the hearing of this message, in this hour, that today might be the day of their salvation. Speak to them. Lead them, Lord. Lord, I pray for us here today that are believers. I pray that we couldn't leave here the same, that we would, we would leave with a tremendous joy in our heart, a burden to tell others the good news of the gospel, that we would praise you, our Savior, our Redeemer, the agent of our adoption. Lord, we come and I'm, I'm thankful for this message. I'm thankful for these truths, for these verses. I pray that you've been glorified in them, that you're known through them, and I trust this to you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.